Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting this morning from an overcast, wintry day in West Kelowna, British Columbia. In today's program, we continue our series on the conservation of humanity, dissecting the Chinese coronavirus and the massive unwarranted overreaction perpetrated by governments around the world and the tremendous ramifications these restrictions on life and liberty have caused. Joining us for today's episode is Garrett Kramer. Garrett has a, had a lifelong association with athletic performance, beginning as a varsity hockey player at a secondary school in Montclair, New Jersey. He went on to earn a bachelor's degree in 1984 from Hamilton College in Clinton, New York, where he played collegiate hockey, competing in the New England Small College Athletic Conference. In 1995, Garrett founded his organization called Inner Sports. For over 25 years, he has provided consulting services for athletes, coaches, actors, and business leaders. His revolutionary approach to performance has transformed the careers of professional athletes and coaches, Olympians, and collegiate players across a multitude of sports. He conducts day-long workshops and symposiums and retreats for teams, organizations, universities, and schools. Credited with bringing the direct path of sex self-exploration to the high performance and sport communities, Garrett is now engaged in globally sharing his unique message on self-exploration and non-duality, as well as their implications in a more harmonious world. Garrett has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Sports Illustrated, and Forbes. <clears throat> he has appeared on ESPN, Fox, NBC, and the Golf Channel. He is the author of two books, Still Power, Excellent with Ease in Sports and Life, and The Path of No Resistance, Why Overcoming is Simpler Than You Think. His third and latest book, Who We Are, Silencing Ego, Returning to Source, Knowing Ourselves, will be released, released later this year. Garrett, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your time today, and welcome to the show. Okay, Michael, thanks. That was some introduction. I don't know where you dug all that up from, but maybe you should send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can do that, no problem. Okay. No problem. So Garrett, I'm, I'm interested to learn how a talented young hockey player and an athlete made the transition from sport into the exploration of consciousness and to the nature of self. Uh, well, I think as an athlete, I was very talented. Um, you know, I, when I stopped playing hockey, for example, I picked up golf and uh, I was playing in the U.S. Amateur. I played in the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Mid-Amateur four years later and was low amateur in the Metropolitan Open that same year, I think was that year, yeah. So I, I, had a, I have a knack for athletics and, you know, good hands, I was fast, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's, you know, I broke, as a high school player, I broke a lot of records and still hold some in the state of New Jersey. Um, but somewhere along the line, um, I became convinced, Michael, that I wasn't quite good enough. In other words, I, I needed to grind my ass off, so to speak, in order to fulfill my potential. So I was, I was convinced that there was players uh, in your neck of the woods, for example, from Canada who were better than me, and I needed to outwork them in order to play college hockey or perhaps pro hockey. And I, I took on a persona that I would describe now as was not me. I became what you, you may have heard this word before, a mucker, a grinder, a digger, 
which took a tremendous toll on me physically and mentally. Now, I still scored a lot of goals in college and had a good career and um, all that. But uh, as I said, it took, a, it took a toll on me, that grind. And then when I started playing golf, what I found was it came to me very easy. But soon enough, that grind returned, came to that sport also. And I went to see, as a result of that, I went to see a, 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 a renowned sports psychologist. His name is Bob Rotella down in Virginia here in the States. He's still, I mean, all these years later, he's still at work. He's, he's such a good guy and smart man. And I went down to Virginia to spend two days with Bob thinking he could help the, the problem that I had started to notice about myself. But what I found out when I was there was that Bob was giving me a lot of instruction, a lot of tools and techniques and strategies. And all of this seemed to be jamming me up more. So the more he was giving me to do, I noticed that this isn't helping. I've got more on my mind, not less. And I specifically on the second day asked Bob, isn't the point of me being here clarity of mind so to speak. Now, I wouldn't describe it like that now, Michael, but that's how I describe them. And he said, yes. And I asked them specifically, then, then you're giving me all these things to do. I have no idea what to do with all this. I am more jammed up because, well, that's just for now. You'll work through it. And I said, okay, whatever. Now, he, I'm not saying it was, it was a disaster my two days there, but what I realized on my drive back to New Jersey was this isn't it. Th this is not it. This is, this is temporary at best. This is a crutch at best, all the tools and techniques and practices and strategies and yada, yada he's giving me. So I decided, I remember saying to my fiance at the time, who is now still, still my wife, Luckily, I remember saying, I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to go play. <laughs> and whatever comes up, whatever arises within me, screw it. I'm just going to play. And sure, as, sure enough, these things started to come and go within me very fluidly. So, so what I noticed, and I, and I started to play very well. And I started to win tournaments or qualify for big tournaments, as I was saying before. And it, it was, and even life was easier. And it occurred to me that it was the resistance of these so-called bad thoughts, feelings, experiences, that was the issue. It wasn't the thoughts, feelings, and experience that were the so-called issue. It was the resistance of them that was jamming me up further. So absence of that resistance to the thoughts or feelings that were arising, there was freedom in spite of them. It didn't matter. And, I, and it's, this was a, a, a massive, sounds like nothing now, or maybe not to the listeners, it doesn't, but to me, it was a massive realization at the time. A person that has spent 28 years grinding it, to try to fix these things, it was a big load off. And at the time, I was also coaching a prep school hockey team. 
And I started to teach the same type of thing to them. And lo and behold, we started winning a lot. I'm not saying it's just, we had, we were talented also. I'm not saying like the player's talent has something to do with it, but, um, and, 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 and people started to take notice so much so that the New Jersey devils here in New Jersey took notice. And the, and the general manager of the team at the time asked me word got to him about my psychological methods, which really weren't methods at all. So, and I went to see him and I described to him my take on sport performance and he hired me on the spot. And that's how it started. That's how this started. <laughs> so that's great. So really it's that, it's that clearing of the mind then and allowing source to flow through the, the athlete or, or the person which um, creates that, that personal power, I guess, if you want to call it that. Well, it wouldn't even be clearing of the mind, though. It's, it, the mind is actually never even not clear. That, that's, in other words, what, you know, I didn't mention this, but no one has ever had one, more than one thought at a time. So the idea that the mind can even get not clear is a belief, is a myth. We can only have one thought or one experience at a time. And, and last time I checked, one thought or one experience does not constitute a cluttered mind. So, we, so what I started to do is I started to kind of overturn these beliefs, these common held beliefs around mental performance. And that was really, and still is, not, not the entire basis of my career, but for, I don't know, 15 years, that was, the, that was my career. I was overturning, questioning, having people question, and then exploring, and then eventually overturning these long-held beliefs like we just discussed, like you could have a cluttered mind. No, that's literally not possible not possible and once you see it's not possible then you have a whole different perspective on what we have to do with the mind interesting interesting so sh shifting gears then into up to our present day situation um based on your personal observations at, at what point this year did you begin to question the official COVID 19 narrative oh uh, right off the right right out of the gate it's like right, right back in right back in March as the reports started coming out. I remember it. I was I was in my, our home gym working out. My family was upstairs in the kitchen. I had CNN on. It came on, and um, I came upstairs and I said, "Something's not right." Now I didn't. I can't say I knew what wasn't right, like I know now. But that that start that 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 kicked off an investigation on my my part that is ongoing and will always be ongoing now. Um, but yeah, I, right off the bat, the notion that, uh, human beings, people should isolate from one another in order to find health. I've never heard anything more illogical in my entire life. And so that was the sort of particular portion of the narrative that, uh, stood out to, to you as something that didn't make sense. Well, that, because that was the first suggestion. That was the first mandate or, you know, the, the government here in the States. That's the first thing that Anthony Fauci was saying. We have, to, we have to quarantine even healthy people. Now, forget healthy people, non-healthy people. Just the, the very idea that loved ones or friends or anyone 
should distance themselves. First of all, it's literally impossible, which we'll get into in a second, but it's second of all, second of all even in a material world perspective, it, as I said, it just, just is totally illogical. What we know is in prisons, in concentration camps, in torture, we isolate people. I mean, it's just, you know, if you know anything about psychological, you know, psychology, that's just the number one, that's, that's the, the uh, highest form of torture is self-isolation. Just, and that's not a mystery. For sure, for sure. <clears throat> so, um, you know, and I guess that kind of leads us into perhaps questioning the contagion theory. Um, and is it, is it time that we maybe start looking at a, an alternative narrative to the allopathic model of, of contagion? Well, I think we got to get in front of that a little bit. I, yeah, the, I think the answer is no question, yes. But, but I think that we've got to get in front of that. And if you go back to the bio you read, look at the consciousness only model that I teach or I share non-duality, the consciousness only mind. And, and, and I think we use that as the basis, then it, it might, I'm not saying it will, but it might make it a little easier for people to question the contag contagion theory or germ theory, whatever. But I think one of the things we're up against now is we're just saying, no, contagion theory has never been proven, which it hasn't. Okay, fair enough. But let's, but because this belief system is so deeply seared into our psyche, our collective psyche, I think we have to get in front of that and really look at what we know is true. And not like, okay, every time you've been around someone, have you gotten sick? Well, everyone knows that Sometimes we're around sick people. There have been times where we've gotten sick, but the majority of the time we haven't gotten sick. So, okay, that, that's obvious. But let's, let's, but someone could disagree with that. Someone's experience, at least what they think is their experience, which they could say, no, that's not my experience. My experience is every time my husband has gotten sick, I somehow get sick too. So how are you telling me it's not contagious? Okay, so like I said, Let's get in front of that. Let's look at the nature of who we are and what all things are made of. And once we can clear that up, I think we'd be in a better position to then look at what's going on in the world currently. And then I guess the, that also then raises a, a point that the, the possible roots of this sickness and perhaps even viruses are being caused by your increasingly toxic uh, both physical and mental environment. Well, they are, but again, let's get in front of that. I, I would say the root of this, the roots of all the things that we're describing right now are the materialistic model, materialism. And let me let me let me be clear what I mean by materialism. Okay, materialism is not greed, which it's a greed is an offshoot of materialism, but let's let's leave that alone for now. Materialism, as I describe it, is a belief that the separation we see is real. So it's a belief that objects exist separate from me. So materialistic things, objects, exist separate from me. You might say a subject. There is me. And there is everything out there 
that is not me. That is my definition for our purposes here of materialism. Okay. Now, 99.9% of the world would insist that materialism, as I just described it, is true. That there is me and there are all the other gazillion objects out there that are separate from me. And be, however, because that's not true, and because this mistruth is the basis from which we live, what is happening in the world right now is a fait accompli. And it will continue to happen until either the world blows itself up or we eradicate or we, we, we turn away from the materialistic model. We, 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 we reveal it for the lie, the falsehood that it is, which is what my work is, is all about. It's certainly what my contribution to the current discussion is about. So in your opinion, then, is, is consciousness a biochemical artifact or is it a greater non-localized phenomenon? Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know that I would say it's either, but consciousness is, the, is that which, let, let's, say, let's say like this, it's a, my provisional definition of consciousness is that in which all objects appear, out of which all objects are made, and with which all objects are known. In other words, consciousness is the infinite and eternal space in which all objects arise and dissolve. It is the, the substance of all objects, and it is the knower of all objects. In other words, consciousness is you. Now, people who are, before this gets too, you know, esoteric for the listeners, let's just dial it back and let's look at what we know to be true, okay? This is gonna be so simple, it's gonna sound almost dumb. What we know is true is that Absent of us, absent of ourselves, we wouldn't know objects. So absent of me, I wouldn't know the computer where I see your face right now or hear your voice. So in order for an object to exist, there has to be me, a subject. I don't know anything if it wasn't for me. Okay, you with me? Yes. I don't know how anyone could disagree with that statement. If it wasn't for them, they would, how would you know any objects exist? You wouldn't. So what that is telling us is that materialism is a lie. Subject and object go together. They're not separate. They rise together. What it's telling us is that separation is not true because no object can appear separate from me. So then our, our present 
materialistic or dualistic uh, philosophy, is that then a cultural, culturally conditioned presumption? 100%. We, at some point, at some point, we took, I'm looking out this window and I see a tree. We said, that tree is separate from me. We, we overlooked the very fact that that tree, I would know nothing of that tree without me. That tree, there's no me, there's no tree. I am one with that tree, you might say. Or we might say that tree does not appear at a distance from me or outside of me. That tree is actually appearing within me. So we, we've taken this appearance of all this happens outside of me as true when nothing can exist outside of me. If there's no me, there's no tree. Now you could say, well, if you die, the tree will still be there. You don't know that. I'm talking about what's true. I'm not talking about belief or what we think or what we've been taught. I'm saying what's true. What is true, using words, because words can get murky with truth, but using the words that we've been given, we have taken that tree to exist at a distance from me. And if, a, if let's, say a, let's say a limb of that tree fell and made a sound, we would say the sound appeared 50 yards from me. No, the sound appears within me. Sound can't appear out there. There is no out there. The sight of that tree and the sound of the, of the limb falling to the ground appears here, not there. And we have, we have totally missed that. So we have taken this appearance of separation as a fact, not an appearance, not an illusion, as real. And as a result of that, we're in conflict because we're, everything out there is out to get me. We, we have lost harmony with reality. So in, in, in other words, that tree is part of your consciousness. Well, I, uh, how I would describe it is I am consciousness and that tree shares my being. It's made of me. Okay. okay. Because I am looking at the inside of my own mind right now. You might say God's mind. So I, 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 we have overlooked this. We, we are, it is literally impossible for an object to appear outside of me. It's impossible. It has never happened. Objects cannot appear separate from or outside of the knower of objects. It, 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 nothing can appear outside of the universe. It's never happened. I mean, maybe it'll happen someday, but tell me how. I mean, so, so I am the universe. All objects rise and fall and are made of me, including germs. Right. Including even people we disagree with, including Mother Nature, including anything, including these glasses. It's like saying, I am the sea and all the whirlpools that arise within me are made of me. Even the placid ones, the nice ones, even the violent ones. Guess what? It's all me, the sea. And none of those whirlpools can appear separate or outside of me. I am suggesting you are the sea. We are the sea. And all things 
rise and fall within us and are made of us, the sea slash consciousness. That's what, that's, that's what we've overlooked. So how do you recommend then we go about evolving to pursue this path or, or embrace our shared being and divinity? We have to look at what's true. We have to, we have to examine, we have to have someone the courage to have, to examine belief and keep, and once we start examining beliefs, they will start to dissolve. We strip them bare, we break them down, we look at them, and we keep doing this until we get to what we can't break down. And what, what that will be is, I am infinite and eternal consciousness. I have never been born, I have never died, I will never die, and all things are made of me. When we get to that place, we will know harmony, we will know peace. But if we keep taking ourselves to be objects, temporary transient objects within the universe, this is an absolute cluster, you know what, because it's backward. So, So the question I would always ask someone who's giving advice, okay, this is what I ask people in my own way, if I'm gonna go see a doctor, if I'm gonna get to know someone, I wanna know who they think they are. Because if that person tells me, I am, a, I am John Smith, I'm a separate entity, then I'm not, then have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, unless you <laughs> examine that with me, then, then it's just not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And it's so funny, because over this COVID journey, and some of the people you've interviewed, they become friends because we're all, at the end of the day, what we're really interested in may look like COVID or something, or even health and well-being. But if you really get down to it, and tell me if, tell me if you disagree with this, because I don't think you're going to, is that what you're truly interested in is, who am I? Like, who are we? What is really going on here? And, and, and when we examine that, and we, we get a glimpse into to our infinite and eternal nature, then sure, we could overlook it sometimes and fear could arise. But what we do with that fear, to try to fix that fear, to try to eradicate that fear, to try to cope would be absurd. It's just absurd. That's like saying, uh, you know, I'm Superman and I've got to chase Lois Lane. I mean, no, sometimes Superman forgets who he is and he thinks he's Clark Kent. So when he, when he forgets, he's always Superman, even if he's dressed like Clark Kent. Now, he, now he's going to have to cope. He's going to look to fix things. He's going to argue with people. He's going to hate people. He's going he's gonna, uh, to, like I said, chase, chase around Lois Lane. <laughs> I mean, but then you tap him on the shoulder and you say, dude, you are Superman. He'd be like, oh, my gosh, right shit, I'm just dressed like this. Oh, I'm, even though I'm dressed like this, I'm still Superman. What am I doing? And we, we've, we've forgotten. We've, we've forgotten that. And we have Clark Kent's trying to help Clark Kent's. It, it's just a, a recipe for, for disaster. So we have innocent people like Anthony Fauci has no understanding 
of who he is. It's very obvious. He wouldn't be giving the advice he is if he, if he did. It's innocent. I'm not saying he's any different than anyone else, but he's giving, he's giving advice that is so indicative of ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance like he's stupid. I mean ignorance as in he's ignoring the nature of his own being. And then we have, so we had the masses clinging to that. And here we are. And I'm not, he's certainly not the only one. I mean. Sure. Well, and I think, I think in his case in particular, there's a uh, monetary reward uh, with his uh, involvement with Moderna. That's perhaps clouding some of his decisions. No, Um, no, no. Who, his misunderstanding of who he is, is clouding his decisions. The Moderna thing you're describing is an implication of that misunderstanding. So sure. For sure, that kind of stuff. And hey, when I was, before I went to see Barbara Tell, as I was explaining, I found myself starting to seek those types of things in order to make myself whole. And Liz would have kicked me out, kicked me out of our apartment if I kept going because it, it was getting stupid. And I sense that this is something that is off about this. But that is the, but that cutthroat world that you're describing, that materialistic world that you're describing, is solely a result of the veiling of our infinite and eternal nature. No one who understood who they are at their core, sure, they could overlook it at times and slip up. I do it. But by and large, I have been blessed to, on this journey, to wake up to my infinite and eternal being. So those types of behaviors occur to me less and less. And and love fills the space as opposed to seeking to make myself whole or, or seeking to prolong a life that how absurd that is. I mean, it's just not what it's all about. And unfortunately, as I said, we've just, we're just caught up in this spiral of, of misunderstanding. And I told someone today, take everything you see, whatever, whatever you see, take it to be the opposite and you'll live a very healthy life. (laughs) It's like, take it to be the opposite of what you see and you'll be on, on track, you know, 90% of the time. So just wanted to circle back for a second to the, the comments you made about <clears throat> how there's the, I guess, the, the people who are involved with the, the counter narrative, um, like yourself <clears throat> and, and what I'm doing here. And a uh, conversation that I've had amongst my peers uh, lately has been one of which this is a, seems to be a test of humanity, whether we evolve um, in, into, into realizing who we truly are and there's a potential here for a golden age of humanity as we step into that, whether it's step into the light or whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, and then the converse of that is entirely the opposite and, and, a, and a terrible fate for humanity. W- would you agree with that? 100%. You described that very well. Um, you know, I, I think I told you this before. We, we, I wrote this book, the one that's actually a different title than what you described now. I think we changed it since... Um, that's funny when you read that. That wasn't bad, actually. I, maybe I should go back to it. No. <laughs> in that book that's, that's coming out in August, August 3rd, I, um, before this, this section was written, before this mess started, I mean, it probably was written a year and a half ago, and I talk about that very thing. 
um, I don't describe it quite as um, hopeful as you do, though. I, I actually described it then and I, uh, in the book, and I would describe it now, that unless we get this materialistic lie straightened out, turned around, I, I am I am as sure as I'm sure what my name is that this world will blow itself up. Uh, it's, and, and I'm not saying that necessarily as a bad thing. I'm just saying that a lie cannot stand. So, so a lie as the basis for a civilization, a world civilization, I'm not saying it's any worse in Russia or China than there is in Canada or the United States or the UK. You know, places that I love and have visited are second homes to me. But I, I there, uh, if we don't straighten out the lie, it's going to blow itself up. A lie will not last, as especially a lie is the basis for our civilization. So, you know, like I said, we got to clean that up. Now, if we don't clean it up, and then, then, then what you're, if we do clean it up, then what you're describing, yes, we will step into that light, as you're saying. We, we will open up a, 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 har a world of harmony and peace. And, and so what, is, what does that potentiality look like to you? That's interesting because I think what, one of the problems right now is it's confusing because some of the suggestions of, let's say, the reset or new world order and all these terms that people throw around, right? Some of the suggestions tug at the heartstrings of truth because a, a world of one is a world of love. And it's interesting, like even the most diabolical mind, so to speak, they still have a sense of something, but they're using it in dastardly ways. And, but what, what it looks, I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but what I, I don't know, like as far as governments and stuff, that's not my thing. Um, I think we should be less concerned with terms like socialism and capitalism and material. I think it's all, all an ism. It's all ism and, and the birth of, and all isms spring from materialism. So materialism is the father of all isms. So we're too worried about socialism or, it's just, it's just there's, if you want to break it down, there's aspects of socialism that are never necessary. And there's, in my opinion, there's aspects of capitalism that are necessary, but the ones, it's all just distraction. It's all this distraction. And I think that if I am crystal clear that you share my being, then it is literally impossible for me to hurt you. If I am crystal clear that the, that the earth shares my being, then it's literally impossible for me to hurt the earth. Not, not talking about me here as me, Garrett. I'm just talking about anyone. So if, if I know that, um, um, if I'm playing a, a match, a golf match against somebody, and I know that he or she share my, shares my being. Okay, I may want to win the match, but I'm not going to cheat to win it. So, so and, and at the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to love that opponent as I love myself, which is actually the, treat of, the, the, the trick to being a great competitor, but we'll talk, we can talk about that at a different time. So, so 
I, I we have we've gotten this game backward, and we we have to come to see that nature, in this case, including viruses, does do not exist separate from me. They are made of me. We have created this external enemy belief system, and you can't find an external enemy. You go look for one. You're not going to find it. You can't find it. No enemy, no thing can exist external from you or outside of you or separate from you, however you want to say it. And, and, and that is viruses. It's interesting because we've got this so messed up that we actually think a virus is something that can be outside of a body and make its way into a body. Well, spiritually, that's a ridiculous thing because there is no, the, there is, you're not a body, number one. So that's a whole, but, but even, even materialistically, it's absurd, the notion. We know it because as, as you've talked to Tom and other Tom Cowan and guys like that, I mean, it just can't happen. A virus is an internal process, detoxifying process. Nothing can happen outside of me. Okay, what are we fighting? What are we fighting? We're fighting our own ignorance. We're fighting our own misunderstanding. We're fighting fear. And never in my lifetime, 58 years, has it been more obvious. It was obvious before this. But yeah, so in, in, in the conversation that we had earlier today, uh, before we got on air, and you'd mentioned that you believe that this fear, fear paradigm has existed for most of your life. Um, and something that I, I pulled up in, in some of your, I think it was in your blog and your website, um, is that it seems that we are trained from a young age that we are limited and lacking persons. Um, where do you suppose that, is that a, perhaps a religious uh, indoctrination that we've carried forward? Where does that come from, you think? It comes from the wrong turn we took thousands of years ago. I, I, I describe it like that in my new book. We, sh we went left, we should have gone right. You know, in other words, like, like I, I am a limited and lacking separate self. I am infinite and eternal consciousness. We kind of had this fork in the road and we, we went the wrong way, so to speak. We took a wrong turn. So this conversation and a lot of your conversations are dialing back. We're backtracking now to that spot and then, then we're going to go down the right path. We hope, right? So, so it's not like it's a, it's everything. It's everything. So as I described earlier, my father taught me that I need to toughen up. I need to work hard. I need to grind my, my butt off. And he was, he was innocently teaching me to be a limited and lacking entity because he thought, he thinks that he's a limited and lacking entity. And his father thought that before him. And, and, and it's innocent. My father wasn't trying to hurt me. And it's funny because early on in my life as a parent, I saw this tendency starting to sneak, creep in with my own, especially my oldest son, Ryan, who's now 28. I started to see that creep in. And, it, 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 and, and it, I got a hold of it. Uh, thank God, like, like, thank God, because I could have easily gone down that same road as my dad did innocently. I love him. I love my father. I'm not blaming him for anything. I'm just saying it's, I was on the precipice of backtracking the wrong, the wrong way. And uh, 
but I didn't. And, and luckily, and then with my, uh, with his brother and then his sister, um, for the most part, I have done, Liz and I, my wife have done our best to not condition them. In other words, not set rules or tell them this is the this is this is our family's value system or something or this is the way we act or this is the way Americans act or some nonsense, right? So so we have done our best to let them be, let them be who they are. And I am not saying we were perfect. I, I would say Liz more perfect than me, probably <laughs> just her nature to be that way. But sure. but. Um, for the most part, we, we didn't have a family here where there was rules. We, we still don't. Um, um, yeah, we, we just, it's very open. And, and I, 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 if I'm going to teach my children, it will be through my example. It will not be through my dic being a dictator and telling them how, how it is. And I just hope that my example has, has been one of being true to myself no matter what, no matter how um, difficult that is at times, no matter how um, nasty the world can be or could kick, no matter the threats you, I've gotten and they've, they've been on the receiving end or seen evidence of that because they get the mail, all that um, remaining true to ourselves is ultimately, hopefully, the message that they, um, they have gotten from me. So that's on a, on a family basis. What would the advice be for society at large or, or the human population at large? How, how, can, we, how can we progress from that uh, innate programming of lack and, and yeah. limitation into, into infinite? Yes. Excellent. So, so um, I, I question, there's a couple things. That you could ask yourself just so, you know, we're speaking to, the, to people of the world right now, right? So the one thing I would ask yourself is, what do you know is true? Like, what do you know for sure? Like, really look at that. And I don't mean like two plus two is four. You were taught that two plus two is four. Those are just things on a paper that you were taught. I don't care if you take two sticks and two sticks and put them all together and then count four sticks. You were taught all of that. You've taught, you've taught no, no baby who wasn't taught that would say, oh, it's, you know, mathematics is innate. I mean, it's absurd. It's, it's not, you were taught that. I'm not, I'm not talking about um, I'm a Jew or I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim. You were taught that. I'm not talking about I'm an American or I'm a Canadian or I'm British or I'm Russian or I'm Chinese. I'm not talking about that. You were taught that. I'm not talking about I'm a man or a woman. No. Throw that out too. You were taught that. I'm not talking about I was born. Ooh, that's a tricky one. I was born and I will die. Nope, sorry. You were taught that too. <laughs> so I, I, and I know people say, no, I, I saw my kids being born. Congratulations. I did too. But that I, you never saw yourself being born. So let's, I'm talking about have you experienced your own birth or your own appearance? The answer to that question, if you really hold still and examine it, is no, you've always been here. You've always been present. Even in sleep, deep sleep, even under anesthesia, you're still present. 
you wouldn't know you were under anesthesia if you weren't still present, <laughs> right? So you're, you're aware of the absence. You're not absent of being aware. You're always aware of the absence. Even under anesthesia, you're aware that I kind of blacked out, okay? So we, have, we take these beliefs, what do you know for certain? Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And once you get to where we just got to that I have always been conscious, you will, you will realize that you, who you are is consciousness because you must be that which is permanent. You can't be that which comes and goes. And once, and so I, I invite people to explore this with me. Let's look at it. Let's break it down. Who are you? And, and we, that is the fundamental question. Who are you? Who, and, and I would argue, Michael, that every single desire that you have ever had in your life, any desire, whether it's a desire to get married, make money, uh, even safety of your family, the desire to get the world straight on coronavirus, the desire to even be happy. Any desire is actually a desire to know who you truly are. You might say to return home. And if we can, if we can keep our intention and attention on that question, who are we? this world would know, would know peace. And we, we would start to um, act in accordance with our shared being. We're so taught to seek the object, the material, the, material, the, the materialistic thing in order to find peace, in order to find happiness, in order to find love, that we're just spinning our wheels in circles because there is no outside object <laughs> including including figuring this thing out including this this conundrum we're in now it, it, that's uh, i mean come on like once we understand that no object can exist separate from me then we know this thing can't be what they're saying it is i mean that's just that that's that's that I mean, this is, a, I mean, it's absurd. And anybody who's going to say, well, well, that, okay, it's all conscious, but I can still get sick. Okay, fine. If that, even if that's what you want to think, then so what? Get sick. That's consciousness too. I mean, so like it's like sickness is just an experience made of consciousness rising within you. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm not, it's not a problem. It, it's, it's only a problem if we resist it, if we fight it, if we try to fix it. it. It's only a problem if we seek a better experience. So why do you think then in our present civilization that belief continues to rule over truth? Because I think Tom Callan may even have said this on your podcast, because paradigms belief systems once they become the thing take it, it just seems to take forever to switch it like once they once it becomes 
if the earth, when the earth was flat, or, or, or let's, let's not even look at that. When, when Copernicus said that the earth was not the center of the solar system, we're not, you know, that's the, we, it's not how it works. People thought he was crazy. I mean, people thought he was mad, a madman. So we, we, you know, and what was happening during those times is every time it would get dark, people actually feared that it wouldn't get light again. That's how witchcraft started. So witchcraft was started as ways that they, they made the sun come, they made it get light again. That's witchcraft. And then Copernicus came along and said, wait a second. No, that's, you got this backward. It's a given. Sun's coming up, so to speak, you know? People thought he was a, so the, the people were, were more in favor of witchcraft than they are lot were logic. <laughs> I mean, that, but it took, it, it just, it took a while for, for him to be able to turn the paradigm, overturn the, the, the misunderstanding. And we are at the, and we have this discussion here. Sure, germ theory is another one of those things, right? I mean, it's, once you see it, as you and I have been lucky enough to see, once you see it for what it is, it's like, oh my God, how did I ever, how was I ever worried about catching a virus when my wife was sick? Like, this is absurd. Like, you see how crazy it is, you know? Well, and I would, I would extend your analogy of, of the, the witchcraft into our present situation. I mean, it's not much, it's, it's equally equally based in nothing and uh you have this fear and guilt uh paradigm which is being perpetrated and pushed upon us it's it's witchcraft and but go back to my discussion about sport uh strat mental strategies that's all witchcraft that's all witchcraft there's nothing to any of it there's it's it's it, it you cannot say uh here well i can't even think of them anymore but let's say let's even say positive thinking it's just pure witchcraft. Like the, the idea that, you, you, first of all, the idea that you have the power to change your own thinking, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, of course, if, if, you had, if you had that power, you would always think happy thoughts. Who wants to not think happy thoughts? So go ahead, give it a try, good luck. I mean, you don't have that power, you just don't. No one has that power. Nothing has that power. God does not, not have that power. God doesn't even know negative thoughts from positive thoughts. They're just modulations within the sea. That's it. So it, the notion that we could, a, a, a great performer changes her thoughts, and that's why she's a great performer, because they control their mind, is pure witchcraft. And, and if, you, if, you, if you talk to any performer, at the height of excellence, what they always report back is, oh my gosh, I wasn't doing anything. It was just playing out, that's just happening. Wow, I was effortless. <laughs> I mean, it's always the opposite of what this, the experts tell you you gotta do to get there. It's always, like I said before, it's always the opposite. So yes, it's, it's pure witchcraft that a vaccine can make someone healthy, it's witchcraft. It's, it's just pure, unproven bullshit. And it, it, it can get to us because it, it, we, we see it for what it is. But I, I'm telling you, like, absent of, the, absent of the knowing of your infinite and eternal being, 
absent of that knowing, Michael, this witchcraft is kind of logical. Like in other words, if I was a limited and lacking separate self who had a limited shelf life on a limited earth, then doesn't it make sense that I am so susceptible that I would do everything, think positive, um, take vaccines, you know, see experts, I would do anything to aggrandize and keep this body in top working order. Like I'm, I'm, it's logic based on the materialistic paradigm. Once you see through the materialistic paradigm, it's pure ignorance. It's pure ignorance. Like I go back to the Clark Kent Superman analogy. Clark Kent, when Superman forgets who he is, Clark Kent is susceptible to all the schemes and marketing schemes and all the pushers that are around him. He becomes a pusher himself. Now it's not his fault that he does that, but that's, that's what an object will do, it'll seek. So whirlpools, go back to the whirlpools, whirlpools are always in motion. So objects are always in motion. People are always in motion. So they're always, they're seekers. All of a sudden you wake up to the fact, holy shit, I'm the sea. Hold still, dude. And all of a sudden all objects start to come to you with no effort at all. It's like a great goal scorer in hockey. What did Gretzky do? No, he stood there and he scored a gazillion goals. He didn't chase the puck. He knew who he was. Everything came to him. So if we're the seeker, which we're trained to be, we said before, just read any self-help book. It's going to tell you to go seek things. What it's saying is seek that, go find this, go find that, and I'll make you whole. It's ridiculous. So based on that paradigm, we seek, we seek, we spin our wheels, we spin our wheels. Events, every now and then what happens is we get so tired of seeking that we say, fuck it, I'm just gonna rest. I can't take it anymore. And interestingly enough, there's a big clue in that rest that we miss. The minute we stop seeking, what happens? We're happy, we're at peace. But we don't make, we don't realize what just happened. So let's say, let's say, um, Let's say a, a golfer wins the Masters. Just say he happens to win the Masters, okay? And he's been grinding. He, he's good enough, even through the, all the grind, he still wins the Masters. Like that's, you know, anybody who doesn't know who he or she is will never quite play the potential, but they're still good enough to win the Masters. Tiger Woods is still good enough, even not at his best, to win many golf tournaments. So he wins the Masters. And he's, he's just shot. So he rests he, because he won the masters and he's shot no more seeking for a couple of days. Right. And he finds peace. He's at peace. Problem is he's been so conditioned to think that the reason he's at peace is because he won the masters <laughs> that he doesn't quite catch that the reason he's at peace is he's not seeking. The only thing that can bring us peace is the absence of seeking. So we think it's the thing we attain or, it's, or we even think we're resting, that that's doing it. But only 
only the absence of seeking can bring us peace. That's it. It's never the championship. Or let's say that, let's say the uh, gal wants to get married and she finds the man of her dreams. Finally, finally, what does she find? Peace. Problem is she doesn't quite grasp that the reason she's at peace is she stops seeking a mate. So she thinks this, this man is the answer. Well, because she doesn't realize it's the absence of seeking that was the so-called answer, she starts to look to this man as, oh, you're my source of peace. But he was never the source of peace. It was always a cessation of seeking that was the source of peace. So she's has, has, having expectations towards her partner that he can never fulfill because he cannot bring her peace. It's impossible, impossible. Only thing that can bring peace is no seeking, no resistance, just being. But she doesn't realize that. So now her husband's a disappointment because she starts seeking again, even though he's there and she's not at peace. She can't figure it out. She dumps him. She looks for another man. Same thing happens again and another and another. Now, but it's just not a woman thing. Men do the exact same thing. Nothing to do with men or women. I was just using an example. So it's like my father, he, had three, he was married three times. It would have been a fourth if he hadn't passed away. And he never quite understood that it wasn't the woman. He married terrific women. <laughs> Every one of them was terrific. He couldn't quite see that it wasn't them. They had nothing to do with peace. Peace is you are peace. Stop seeking and you will know yourself. That's simple. That's simple. So if we apply this now to, again to our present condition uh, with this burden of fear that people have, um, what, what's your recommendations there for people to unburden themselves of that fear? Well, you don't have to. Fear, see, again, once, once you understand what fear is, fear is, go back to the sea and the whirlpool analogy. Fear is simply a whirlpool that's, that's spinning or, or has risen and is turning or churning within you. So, but it's made of you. So, so fear is simply made of the sea. Fear is made of you. Fear is made of consciousness. It, it's it? not... It's a specific vibration within your being then. Don't, I wouldn't even get into being a specific vibration because again, that's our conditioning. Again, the sea, the sea knows all these whirlpools as itself in truth. Like God knows all things as itself. We have been conditioned to not be God, to be separate selves, to be separate. And, and, and all these things are actual separate things. In, my, in this new book we were talking about, I have a, a, a part, I have a section where I talk about there's no such thing as a variety of feelings. It's totally, we're totally taught that. That's why like a baby, this is just a metaphor, but a baby could be laughing or crying and they don't care which one they're doing. Like, not there's no attachment to it. A baby's crying and it's the it's we're freaking out when our babies are crying. They're like, what? I'm just crying. It's okay. Like we, we take that as that's a real problem, but they haven't been taught that's a problem. Only when we run over to them, oh, what's the matter? Are you okay? Now it becomes a thing. And then we give them a pacifier. So now they have their first crutch. 
So then what's the next crutch? And the next crutch, we give him a teddy bear, we give him, a, we give, him give my daughter money and it's never enough. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know how it, how it is. So, so what I'm saying is it's not really a, sure. You could describe it as it's, it's a different looking whirlpool. That's reasonable. But let's just keep coming back to the fact that all whirlpools are made of the sea. They're all the same thing. And fear is simply a modulation arising within me consciousness made of me consciousness. Where am I going to put it? What am I going to do with it? Has anyone ever seen fear leave a body, leave themselves? Where's it going to go? You can't, you can't get rid of it. It's the sea. That whirlpool is the sea. It will arise and it will dissolve as it's meant to. And you have nothing to say about it. The sea does not control that. But what the sea can know, in air quotes, is that that is made of me and it will come and go in due time within me. And there's nothing to do about it anyway because it's all me. So fear arises and we're so conditioned that we've got to protect ourselves from it that what we actually don't pick up on is that the, the idea to protect ourselves from it is our sign that we've forgotten who we are. So we, that's Clark Kent, that's Superman's sign that, oh my God, I've taken myself to be Clark Kent. Shit, right? That's the actor, Joe Blow's sign that he's taken himself to be King Lear. He's not, that's just the part you were playing. You're not really King Lear. Don't worry about your daughters. Everything's gonna be all right. You, know, you don't have to get caught up in that. So when we get the sense to fix a thought, a feeling, a sensation, experience, even a perception. When we get that, we've got to fix that. That is actually our like a, a, a warning sign telling us, whoa, hang on. You've overlooked who you are. Always. And if we could not jump at that temptation to fix, bet your bottom dollar that that sensation, fear even, will be welcomed back into the hole with open arms and it will dissolve or be absorbed back into the hole, back into consciousness or God. Bet your bottom dollar. That, that's not a belief. That's a fact. It's personalizing the fear. I am a person. Fear is rising within my body. That's the trouble. No one has ever found fear inside a body. You can't find fear inside a body. You are not a body. Fear arises within consciousness. And if we see know ourselves as consciousness, it will dissolve right back from where it came. If we try to fix it, we bolster it, and it builds, and it festers. And right, because we don't know who we are, we're trying to fix our fear, and we're stuck. And here, and here we are, eight months later, nine months later, doing the same bullshit that we were doing when it started. And, and even though we look at it and say, how could we be doing this? It did, it's never worked. Well, guess what? It's never gonna work. It's not possible for it to work. It cannot, it's never happened. A coping strategy cannot provide a long-term solution. End of story never going to happen.
and we see it. We see it in real time right now. Yeah, we, now we, we could say, we could say, we could say just to get, get on the level of the, of the nonsense, we could say, well, you know, right, like, like, okay, we could have another one of these in 10 years, then what are we going to do? And that's obviously true. But it's, it's deeper than that. Like, you, you know, you, you go to marriage therapy, you go to marriage, people go to marriage counseling. And there's good marriage counselors out there. I, I have no problem with that. But the strategy that the marriage counselor recommends cannot help a marriage. Like, Sorry, it's just, it's, just, it's just witchcraft again. The only thing that can help a marriage is the understanding that my wife and I share a being. I mean, if, if she doesn't share my being, no chance, no, no chance. And, and that, and, and quite frankly, the exploration between a husband and a wife or a husband and a husband, a wife and a wife, friends, any, anyone, two people, so to speak, that shared journey of exploration into the nature of who we are, that's intimacy. I mean, that's real intimacy. That is the dissolution of I am a, I am a separate person. That is, we are a shared being, one being. So absent of the understanding, Michael, that you and I share a being, ultimately, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to take advantage of you or try to in order to ingratiate myself for my own per personal purposes. And, but, but the knowing that we share a being, that's virtually impossible. And if it, it and if it does crop up, it's promptly flagged by one of us. Whoa. So if Liz senses that I've, I'm, I'm Clark Kent now, I've forgotten who I am. I, I see her role as my wife is, yo, dude, who are you? Now, she wouldn't say it like that. She would say it in a more Liz Kramer kind of way, which I won't share here. <laughs> <laughs> a little more direct, perhaps. No, actually, it's, it's quite, it's quite loving and direct. It's not like harsh. I, she wouldn't, she's not like that, but luckily, I'm very lucky in that respect. But my friends too, like, it's the same type of thing. So, and it's how I would be to them. Like, and I, I have my way of, of just saying, yo, like, let, let's say a coach calls me up before a game. Like, what do you got for me, G? I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, like, dude, what do you need me to tell you? What do I got for you? Go coach the game. Like, I'd say something like, go coach your freaking game. Like, be yourself. What's the problem here? Why are you calling me? I'll do that. That's me. That's how I would, that, that could be how I would handle it. But other times there may be something that I would say, but by and large, my role would be to remind you that you are not that limited and lacking separate self. And even, even more, what might surprise you even more is you're not responsible. You're not at fault. You're not in control. Even the dreamer doesn't control the dream. It's like saying, I'm dreaming at night and all this stuff happens within me and I'm gonna somehow reach into my head, reach into the dream and make everyone move a certain way. No, the dreamer is just experiencing the dream. The dreamer doesn't control the dream.
So this is a whole nother notion that we've got to get straight also because the idea of personal control, that's witchcraft, pure witchcraft. And it actually is one of the mistakes that we make in this movement towards what's really about what we think is really going on here with this coronavirus. So in other words, we, we, are, we, are, we are on the side for freedom of choice. But that's okay, but we better realize that that's an illusion. Like the worst thing we could do is start to tell people that the decision's on you. You choose, you make the choice. Do you want to paralyze a, a, a world? Tell them the burden's on you. There's, no, there's nothing more confounding and um, there's nothing more confounding than that proposition because what we know intuitively is that experience will rise and fall indiscriminately. Again, if you are in control of what happens, your life would be much different than it is now. Probably, like, like, although you probably wouldn't want it to be different. Like when we really look at it, we're like, well, this is pretty good. We're doing all right, right? But if we were in control of, of, of my, if I was in control of my attitude, which is one of these so-called controllables that people in the mental performance world like to talk about, attitude, then I would always have a good attitude. And I can tell you, my attitude is not always good. If I was in control of my level of happiness or positivity, same thing. I would always be happy or positive. And I can tell you for sure, that's not true. Uh, if I was in control of my body language, I would always be erect and walking with confidence and all this bullshit. Not true. If you really look at it, there are about a trillion processes that are happening within a human body right now probably more a human body is in control of zero of those processes so why in the world do we ever get this notion that we're like in control of our thinking and our attitude like what are we going to control two out of a trillion it's it's ridiculous like even that notion is is preposterous so this idea that that you control your body you control this it's a little bit in my opinion it's it's a it's 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 us getting in the mud with the with the lie i i don't think it's helpful you want to you want to find peace take the burden away from people a great coach a great coach in sports what he or she does is removes burden from their player's shoulders, always. It's never the opposite. A, a great coach will always remove burden, never add it. If you add burden, you add pressure, you add paralysis by analysis, people will freeze up. If you remove burden, let's go. And, and we, gotta, we gotta be careful with that. The, the war, as I said, the whirlpools in the sea arise indiscriminately. You are the sea. You are the universe. You are consciousness. Whatever is happening within you is not controlled by you. It's just that simple. Now, it, it's made of you. It's one with you. 
but you're not some puppet master out there pulling the strings. No, you have no experience of that. And again, if you think of your own life, I think that you would agree that these so-called fantastic moments were just experiences that just fell into place without, you weren't micromanaging them. And um, I think that's a very important thing to remember. And I think in, in truth, that freedom allows us to jump back into the world, so to speak, and to, to know that we're really not in control, but kind of pretend that we are. So it, that's the freedom when Jesus said, in the world, but not of it. He was suggesting, go back into the world, but not as an object yourself. Go back into the world as freedom, as love, as consciousness. And that's what he meant by that statement, in my opinion. In the world, but not of it. That's how free you are. And if we could just go back into this world, like it's almost like an inward folding. My, I, I like to say mind into heart this way, not outward. Then, then we, and we head into this world as an infinite and eternal being. That's the essence of freedom. So we sometimes wonder like, why don't people stand up? Why are people afraid to speak up? Well, it's not their fault. It just gives us more indication that we've got to, to know who we are. We've got to, we've got to keep sharing that basic fundamental understanding. I am infinite and eternal consciousness. If you know yourself as infinite and eternal consciousness, then of course you will just say, you will just jump into the world in pure freedom. Of course you will. If you know yourself as a limited and lacking object, no chance, no, no chance. Or you're jumping into the world, even though you don't, you think you're in the world, but as someone who's seeking and trying to do whatever he or she can to survive and and unfortunately, we reward people like that in this materialistic society. And, and, and we condemn people who don't do that. We've got it so backward. So, so, so backward. We, but, but, but by the way, just sorry, what we, what we see is, I mean, we have evidence of this throughout history, starting with Jesus. I mean, before Jesus, but let's just start with him. I mean, what happened? Here was someone who knew himself, his infinite eternal being, was in the world as pure love. And what happened to him? I mean, this is what happened. This is, this is, you know, and, and, and we, we've got to turn that around. Did, did Jesus uh, run away from the lepers, by the way? No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was afraid of getting leprosy. He, he knew what was up. He, he knew what the deal was. He, he wasn't afraid. He knew it couldn't happen. So can you explain your concept of still power and, and how can we uh, relate that or utilize that in our present situation here? Well, still power really, you know, I love the, it's a cool word. I, I have to admit, that's the best part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's, I'm, at, I'm actually, we're actually in talks right now when this new book comes out to do a new book, 
to do a re um, a second ver like a claim like a new version of the same book which I'm actually kind of excited about so I'll see where that goes I can't really think of it just now but still power was just it was weird because when I wrote that book I didn't have a title and I was just searching for titles and, and Liz and I were like throwing around all these stupid names it was funny and uh, somehow we came up with this and first it was going to be two words and then it was just no we'll make it one word still power and you know so it's not really a concept it's really just a um an implication of the knowing of our own being and it's it's just it's just a it's just a word that you can use if it helps to remind yourself that you're at your most powerful when you are the most still that's it and and you are you are you are a fraction of yourself to the degree that you are overlooking the nature of your own being and are thus seeking all over the place so, would, so there, would there be a um an analogy there to the zen state of sartori then um yeah yeah but i I want to be clear. Like I am not. To, I am. I'm, I'm not saying that that Zen is doing did this, but I, I want to be clear. Like what I am suggesting, I don't want people to really use as a strategy for personal excellence. Like I want it to be more of a pointing back to who we are, which is the same thing as what you just described. But I, I don't want it to become like this Zen based strategy you know, it's it really, um, it, if, if you come to hear me, me speak to an audience, for example, that would be very clear in a book form that gets a little fuzzy, even though I say, don't, <laughs> I'm not using this, I'm not suggesting this book to be your, you know, your Bible for, for performance. In fact, when, when, for years, even when I was 30 years old, if a player wanted to come see me, I would, and I still do this, I, I would ask why, what, 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 what's up? And if that player says to me, well, I wanna win the US Open or the you know, British Open next year or something, right? I'd be like, nah, sorry, don't, don't come. I can't help you with that. Like that's how, now, of course, a lot of times that, that was always so different that the player became interested in what I was like, what do you, what do you even mean by that? Well, it actually worked in my favor, but I wasn't really saying it for that reason. I was saying it because look, the idea that I can help you win the British Open is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's just fraudulent. This is not, as, as we've said in this, this discussion, experiences rise and fall indiscriminately. I, I, even us meeting is that. The idea that I can change the course of history by jumping into here and helping you win a British Open, it's ridiculous. So, 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 so my role is not to help anyone do anything. The only thing I will give a little concession to on that is say, I will help you understand the nature of who you are. But better said is, I will we will experience a shared journey to who we are. So it, it, that's a better way of saying it. 
it's not like I'm gonna be the leader of this ship or something. I mean, that would be ridiculous. In fact, in fact, what we're really looking for is the dissolution of this notion of separation in the first place. So yeah, so so it's I'm not even trying to help people feel better. I, I, I want them to understand that it doesn't matter what feelings are arising and dissolving. And take it one step further. I don't know if the audience is ready for this, but you don't even feel feelings to begin with. That's a whole nother, like we said in the beginning about you can't have more than one feeling or experience or thought at a time. We don't even feel feelings. Feelings arise and dissolve within consciousness, us. We don't feel them. They, we don't feel them. We cannot we don't have the capability of feeling anything. Consciousness can't feel. The true self cannot, is not a feeler. It's okay to say, I feel, I, you know, tell your best friend, I, I don't feel so great, or I feel down. It's not wrong. It's fine. Like we, I talk like that all the time. But it's really important to know that feelings are a modulation that arise within us, but they do not dent us. They do not harm us they do not influence us they're just modulations within us and when we start to realize that it becomes nonsensical to try to fix them it, it, it's nonsensical and that's important <laughs> that's like super important we would have no addiction if we understood that addiction would not be a thing and there's not a human being on the face of this earth that's not an addict. The, the notion that because someone's a drug addict or this addict or that, that they're worse than someone who's a workout addict. Sorry, you're still an addict. I, I love to work out. Sometimes I shouldn't. That's true. That I, I don't like to miss a day in the gym. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm an addict. That's, I'm an that's addict. A, I would suggest that's a probably a healthy addiction though. Well, it's, it's healthy to the, to the extent that it, it drives you crazy. To the, it's, it's, it's healthy to the extent that it becomes a burden. So if it, once it becomes a burden, then you, better, you, you should look at it. So I'm not suggesting the gym is bad, by the way. I, it's fantastic. I love, love it. But what I'm saying is if we understood that feelings in this case are simply modulations that arise with us, within us, that has never dented us, never harmed us, never done anything, then it will truly be nonsensical to try to fix it or follow it. I mean, we're, we're actually programmed to follow our feelings in this culture. It's, we, it's, it's, why would you ever follow that which is transient? Why would you ever follow that which comes and goes? If you wanna follow something or put your attention on something, Put your attention on what's permanent. God, consciousness, the true self. Put your attention on your infinite and eternal nature. Okay, now we, now we can talk. But to, to put our attention on a feeling and to try to do something with that feeling, cope with it, fix it, comfort it, is the devil's playground you're caught you'll never you'll never get out of that that cycle if you if you 
let's say someone was overweight, for example. This is a good example. Someone was overweight. And let's say this dude's overweight and every night he just gorges on cookies or something, right? So he sits, he comes home and he gets this urge to have a cookie, a feeling, a sensation, an urge arises within. The mistake is not that he thinks he needs to fix the urge. The, the mistake, what leads to the addiction and, and the ill health in this case, would be the misunderstanding that he's a separate body, that he's a body. If he knows himself as who he truly is, infinite and eternal consciousness, then there would be no reason to cope the cookie. None. Consciousness doesn't need to cope. Consciousness knows itself as whole and complete. It doesn't lack. It's not limited. But this poor guy, he thinks he is this body. And he keeps trying to satisfy these condition, uh, this conditioned sense of limitation and lack, and he's never going to do it. What he would find is if he actually did not succumb to the urge, even if he had a friend like you sitting in the kitchen said, listen, Jimmy, do me a favor. Just pause two minutes before you have that cookie. Just come sit down with me here. And you don't have to talk or anything. Just sit down, pause. There's a very good chance that that urge would become depersonalized. And he would momentarily know himself as who he truly is. And that urge will dissolve right back from where it came. So it's the fact that he thinks he's incomplete and he needs to fix the urge. I'm a body, I'm a person, I'm Jimmy, whatever, I'm Garrett, that you would, you would fall prey to these feelings, these sensations. This is exactly what's happening now. You know, this, this, we, we are so afraid of this fear of, of death, this fear of sickness, whatever it may be, that we've got to do something to fix it. I heard the governor of Michigan of several months ago saying, we have to do something. And I remember sitting there watching this, maybe the news at the time. I remember saying, I think it was, was Liz, I said, no. And I said, she doesn't have to do anything. That's the problem. She thinks she has to do something. So she's doing nonsense. She's eating cookies. You, you know what I mean? Like, like no, you, no, Mrs. Whitner, you don't have to do zero. Do zero. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Simple. Because you won't ever know what to do. Because you don't ever control shit anyway. So stop forcing it. Get to know who you are, and you wouldn't be suggesting these absurd coping strategies that clearly will never work and have, have held the addiction in place, have held the urge in place. And here we are in the exact same situation. It, nothing's changed. It's stunning. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's just so obvious and frustrating. And then we have to remember who we are and, and go back to the whole basis for this discussion this is going to play out as it will. Remember that. Remember that.
And my role is to remind you of that and remind myself of that at the same time. So as part of this whole um, pandemic deal here, we're seeing an unprecedented level of division amongst the population and, you know, and, and a, one manifestation of that now is, you know, the, the believers in the lockdown measures or, the, or the, the, the coping strategies, as you call them, and the people who are like you and I who are questioning them. So we have kind of masked versus unmasked, pro-vax versus informed consent. Any recommendations to navigate how to peacefully interact uh, with all these fear-based folks? What, what's, what's a great uh, a tool or, or a, a procedure that people can uh, utilize to, to de-escalate the situation and, and elegantly navigate yes. that? If you, if you um, it's interesting, I, I was, um, I, I go hiking and running through the woods in here and uh, it's one of one of my favorite ways to exercise and I love it and I get some good ideas and stuff in there when I'm when I'm doing it and although in this time of year especially when it's wet out or snowy I don't go in the woods I go to this park which is also a good workout it's a, it's a really nature park but more people there's people there the woods I, I like to be by myself anyway so I was there by myself uh, Sunday I think it was and I was, I was there Friday and then Sunday again. And this is funny because on Friday, everyone who was wearing a mask was the enemy. <laughs> I hated everybody. Like it was, it was crazy, right? Sunday, oh, how you doing? Hey, how are you? <clears throat> mask, no mask. I was looking at people exact like they were loving everyone. But two days earlier, the mask folks, at least in my own mind, so to speak, were the enemy. Okay, so what's going on there? Like what's really happening? It's, and I think you probably share that experience, right? It's like, like sometimes we're like, okay, whatever, uh, live and let live. And other times like, are you so you stupid? Like, what are you, what are you even doing, right? So I think we have to come to grips with the fact that it's got nothing to do with the mass people or the vaxxers or whatever you want to call them. It's all to do with us always. I just think we have to really kind of come to grips with that. Like, we're either in touch with the knowing of our own being or we are totally blind as a bat. And when we're blind as a bat, those apparently external people are going to be an issue. And when we wake up to our own nature of our own being, then no issue. And it's kind of important, important to remember. <clears throat> and I would tell you that that sense of, as I said before, that sense of fear, a sense of insecurity, or even anger that's arising is really our sign that we've overlooked who we are. It's not our sign that there's a problem out there. There is no out there. It's a sign that you think you're Clark Kent. You are not. So rather than, rather than reach out there to this bottomless pit, that you'll never escape from because you're, you're stuck in the illusion out there, the materialistic illusion. Come back this way, hold still, inward, we would say, and look at what's really going on. And insecurity, which is just a blanket word here, you could use any word, any overt sensation, but insecurity or anger, whatever, is really a blessing, not a calling to fix what's out there it's really a blessing that you have overlooked the nature of your own being dude like come on now of course 
as we've discussed in this conversation, what are we taught to do with insecurity? Fix it, cure it, get rid of it. It's a problem, such a mistake. It's a blessing. It's there to serve us, to remind us who we are, just like a virus is. It's another sensation that's here to remind us of who we are. And we've missed the boat. We, we just missed the boat coming back to that, you know? Like no, a virus is a blessing. We totally fucked this up. And because you can, and then someone would say, well, wait a second, haven't viruses killed people? Well, not really, but I understand what they mean by that. But the only reason a virus could, the, the virus process or detoxification process that is a virus, the only way that would lead to death is if that person has so tried to thwart viruses that they have contaminated the system. They, they've, they've taken so much medicine, so many vaccines, so many coping strategies, as we said, that they've so shrouded and so toxified their own system that the body can't keep up. And, and, and that virus just overwhelms the system, right? For you or me, luckily, we haven't done that, I hope not. And what happens is if we get a virus, yes, we, we, will, we will sense that that detoxing in our bloodstream, but because we know what it is, we don't fight it, bring it, it's fine. Not a problem, it's not an issue. We just read a book. We just, I just go to the office and write. I don't, it's not a problem. And, or we work out, whatever, it's, it's nothing. It, it's just an experience, just a whirlpool, and we know it, so there's no reason to try to defeat it. Like, listen to the talk of the experts. We gotta attack this virus, we gotta defeat this virus. It's your friend, just like insecurity is your friend. Just like any modulation within the sea is your friend, it's made of you. We just missed the boat because we have taken a, We've missed it so bad, buddy, that we even think a virus is a thing that floats in the air. I mean, it's ridiculous. We've made up stuff based on the materialistic lie. It's, a, it's, it's um, like we said before, just witchcraft. Virus floats around in the air. Like, <laughs> what? Where is that thing that floats? You can't, you need a microscope. No, sorry. I can't see it. I can't see it. There isn't, there is no virus. There's no alive thing that's out there that's coming to get me. It's, and, and if I get sick, I get sick. If I have a bad experience, I have a bad experience. If I have a good experience, I have a good experience. It's, they're all modulations of consciousness. And we have totally missed this essential point. God, uh, Jesus said, I and my father are one. It's all God. It's all the same thing. He was trying to tell us this. Of course, we even took his message and said he was talking about himself. He and for God are one, but not Garrett. Garrett's not included in that pair, in that, in that, in that relationship. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was not talking about himself. <laughs> I and my father are one. He was talking about the 
he was talking about our singular being. We are, it is all one. It is all God. It is all consciousness, including viruses. Jeez, we have just totally botched it. And yes, buddy, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. But I heard someone, uh, we've all said it, I think, that truth will prevail, and it will. It absolutely, positively will prevail. Not because, like, one way of thinking is better than the other. It's simply because truth, I and my father are one. There is no such thing as separation. You know, that's the only thing we know. Ultimately, that will carry the day. As we've discussed, in a, in a real, in quotes, real world way, it will play out in one of two ways, as we've said. It, either this world will explode in conflict, as we've talked about, and what will be left, because materialism will be wiped off, will be, will be gone, what will be left will be the shared being. Okay? Consciousness isn't going anywhere. A, the planet could explode. The space in which all planets arise doesn't get touched. It's not going to happen. Just like a virus could be in there, the space in which a virus appeared doesn't get touched. Can't happen. So that's, that's kind of one option. The other option is we get a hold of this now on earth and it shifts, it shifts. And I got to tell you, like, I want to, this is going to sound like crazy, but I don't have a preference. <laughs> like I actually don't have a preference. Because I don't even know what would be better. Like I could say, well, if the earth explodes and your family is going to be like your gen future generation, like, well, okay. I mean, that's true, I suppose. But the true self isn't going anywhere. Love will not die. So it's going to play out either way. So like from a personal perspective, if there was such a thing, then of course I want us to figure it out now. Of course, but... I would be, it would be so arrogant to suggest that I can do something about that. I mean, I could just, just like you in your own way, me in my own way, we could just keep pointing to our shared being. And, and I want to say this, I, I know we're probably getting long on time here, but we, there is nothing wrong with being critical of whatever you want to be critical about. That's fine. Like, that's not like, this isn't like some spiritual understanding that gets us out of what's going on in this apparent world. Like, speak about it. But, but, but my suggestion would always be to point to it from the perspective of Superman, not Clark Kent. So point to it from the perspective of consciousness not an insecure and lacking separate self. Because if, if you point to it or I point to it from that perspective, we're gonna get in the mud. It, it'll, become it'll become a street fight and no one's gonna win. Yeah, no one's yeah. gonna win. We've been in enough of those. 
when we were younger. We don't, we don't need that anymore. It's not going to get us anywhere. Yeah. Uh, so, so Garrett, I have this question that I ask all my guests. Um, if you could go back in time and speak with yourself as a young man at 18, 20 years old, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have for that young fellow? Oh, I'm not, I don't want to start crying on your podcast here, but it really, it hits me that that question really hit me hard. Um, oof. Uh, oh man. Sorry. I, I, um, I, I would really tell myself to not, not kill myself, not, not try to not try to prove yourself not try to that you that you're really you're okay you're complete now you, you don't need to you don't need to bullshit and um yeah to, to to just be to be you and you're good you don't you don't need to not be yourself and i i would uh yeah, that's it. Uh, just, just be yourself. And um, it's not only my advice to my 18-year-old self, it's, it's my advice to you or to my 58-year-old self and to my own children and to all children especially, you know. I just, I just think all children should be taught to just be themselves and um, to uh, to just not think that someone else is better than you or knows more than you or um, it's so important it's so simple and so important at the same time and uh, yeah I'm sorry I, I, that really hit me because it's very I, I, I saw myself I, I write this and actually in the end of the in my acknowledgement to the book, actually, which is a weird thing I just thought of, but, you know, I really saw, I dedicate this book to my children, which is, but actually to all children. And I think, and I think I come back to this in the acknowledgement, which is at the end and say, like, I really saw myself, and I still do as a wounded young person, you know, someone who was abused and beat up, beat, knocked around pretty good. And um, I just, uh, and by the way, it's funny, like I was talking to one of my friends the other day and that's like my, my soft spot. Like, I just don't like to see people abused. And this is one of my, my conditioned responses to, to what's happening in the world. I, I see people being, being abused and it's, it's something that I react to, um, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's just the way it is. And, uh, but I just think that if we, could, if we could just encourage children to just be themselves, and I don't mean like their individual bodies or I mean, just truly express the peace and love that they truly are. Be an expression of that as opposed to seeking themselves in the world. So expressing love and expressing honesty and expressing uh, genuineness and expressing freedom in the world as opposed to seeking gratification or who you are in the world like that's the message for for our younger generation 
you know this um you know this 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 uh popular thing about find your why you know find your why find your purpose it's insanity it's insanity there is no why in the world what we should be telling our young people is don't go seeking for your why there is no why out there express who you truly are in that world peace love happiness consciousness god express that don't go seeking it so we've got the shooting match backwards and with our young that's what we've got to keep reminding them be an expression go express yourself in the world don't seek to find yourself in the world because you're not in the world you're not there you're not a speck you are the world you are the universe that's how magnificent you are and if we could just remind children of all just to be that we, we got a chance at this and of course we see them because their parents are so afraid we see them wearing masks and coping and all these crazy things and what we're, what we're doing sadly is we're instilling this belief of limitation and lack in children which is the exact wrong thing to do that that's why i'm sorry but life should not be the priority here we've missed it we have reminding our young of who they are should be the priority not saving lives sorry it, it, i know that may sound cold to some people but it's 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 a it's a red herring it, it life is temporary transient we're focusing on the wrong thing once again and here we are so anyway yes buddy it was a it was a very important question sorry to take more time on it but it's a really really a good question and that, and that's i'm such an example of someone who had who was conditioned away from knowing my own being and then somehow stumbled my way back to it that it was a perfect question for me i, I appreciate it well I, I appreciate your candor and the response and i think that's a very uh powerful way to end our uh interesting discussion yeah no, uh, good. And uh, I guess the final question for you is if uh, listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, uh, what's the best place to direct them to? Uh, just, I guess my website, which is just my name.com, garrettkramer.com, one T, although if you put two T's, that'll get to me also. I own both websites, so that always happens. Um, but um, um, yeah, and then my email's on there and just send me an email and I'll, I promise if anyone sends me an email, I, I will return the email. I, I promise that's a given. I will, not, I will not leave anyone hanging. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's, it's been an honor to speak with you today. And uh, maybe we'll look to uh, circle back once your uh, latest book comes out. We'll uh, okay. cover that in a future episode. I love it, buddy. Thanks, man. Excellent. Well, God bless you and your family, sir, and all the best. Uh, thank you for everything you're doing, and uh, hopefully we can uh, bear witness to an evolution of humanity here um, and people return to source and realize who they truly are. Hopefully. Let's just keep at it. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Right. Have a great evening. You're welcome. Bye-bye.